through the eyes of an ordinary citizen that I'm going to name Asaph, all right? This is the story of Asaph on Palm Sunday. Asaph determinedly walked his way through Jerusalem like a man on a mission. This was no window shopping expedition. He was fulfilling his annual duty as the head of his house. Every Jewish man knew that on the 10th of Nisan, five days before Passover, it was his duty to go and choose the Passover lamb. The most important element of the Passover meal. It must be done five days before Passover so that the lamb could be inspected for five days to ensure that it was without defect. This was the Jewish holiday before the big holiday of Passover. The streets were filled not only with locals, but with pilgrims who were making their annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Every road and alley was filled with the noise of vendors hawking their products and shoppers bargaining for their wares. Asaph could smell the fish that were on display at Phineas's fish market. Added to this were the tempting smells of Micah's matzo ball soup, the best in Jerusalem. He paused to take in the smell, but then he walked on past. He didn't have all day, and the crowds were overwhelming. Hundreds of thousands of people had gathered in the city for this most important occasion on the Jewish calendar. There's no modern American holiday that compares to Passover for the Jews. Not only is it a time that families reunite, it's a time for them to remember their history and how the Passover lamb's blood was placed on their death, uh, on their doorpost. So that when the death angel was coming to take the firstborn, that death angel would pass over their homes if the blood of the lamb was on their doors. So while the Egyptians were screaming in horror, God's people were saved during the first Passover. Not only was it an event that looked back, however, it looked forward to a time when the Messiah would come and once for all save his people and usher in the kingdom of God. But during this Passover, hopes were especially high. If ever the Jews needed a Messiah, they needed one now. They had endured the captivity of the Persians and Babylonians, and now may be the very year that the Messiah would come. An itinerant preacher named Yeshua had been traveling the countryside for three years, and he was performing miraculous works that only a Messiah could do. Asaph had never met this prophet But he had heard reports of him, and there were rumors that he may be coming to Jerusalem for this very Passover. Asaph pressed his way down the street toward the sheep gate where the biggest crowds were gathered. It was the section of the city where the animals were sold. He knew he was close when he smelled the unmistakable stench coming from one vendor named Gamel's Camels. Proud parents were placing their children on camels, many of whom were experiencing their first camel ride. But then he heard it, the bleating of the sheep. Bah! Bah! 
The streets were lined with shepherds who had come in from the fields near Bethlehem with their best lambs for sale at the sheep market. The first sign he saw said, Whiter than snow sheep. The vendor tried to lure him into their stall, but Asaph always went to the same vendor every year. He passed a sign saying, Premium Passover lambs. The owner called out, No need go any further. These are the best lambs in Israel. I give you a very good price. Asaph ignored him and walked straight to the same market he came to every year. Sahib's spotless lambs. Even from a distance, the owner spotted Asaph. Ah, Asaph, my friend, I've been expecting you. I was beginning to think you might not come. Oh, yes, my friend. You know I come to you every year. But you better give me a good price. Ah, you know me, my friend. Only the best for you, said Sahib. I need a big lamb this year, Sahib, my friend. My brother is coming from Jericho with his family. Our little home will be filled with ten people for Passover week. I have just the lamb for you. He's perfect. Come right over here. Yes, his wool is nice, said Asaph. Let me see his ears. Wait a minute. What are these cuts? Oh, Asaph, you're so picky. He probably brushed up against a thorn bush, but when he's on your Passover table, those ears won't be there. What else do you have? Here's a nice one, Sahib urged. Very thick wool, nothing behind the ears. Let me see him. It looks like his right foot is slightly bigger than his left, Asaph complained. Asaph, my friend, it's probably just a birth defect. Your feet probably wouldn't be the same size if you spent all day walking on the Judean hills either. What else do you have, Sahib? Well, how about this one, the owner said as he pointed to a fat, fluffy sheep. Well, he looks good behind the ears. Yes, but look at his wool. What about the brown spot on his wool? I thought you said these were spotless lambs. Oh, my friend Asaph, it's probably another birthmark. Look here. If you comb his wool over to the right, no more brown spot. Sahib leaned into the ear of his friend Asaph. You and I know there are no truly spotless lambs. Well, if that's the case, said Sahib, you should call your business almost spotless lambs. They both laughed uproariously. But at that very instance, their conversation was broken up by a commotion coming down the street. The distant shouting of people could be heard, but it was too far away to make out the sound. It seemed to be somewhere near Phineas's fish market, but the noise was moving closer, and it was clear that the crowd were making their way down the road near where Asaph and Sahib were talking. The crowd was coming closer, and now they appeared to be near Micah's matzo ball soup stand. This was no random chant, however. There was a cadence to their shout. It was a cadence both Sahib and Asaph recognized. What are they shouting, Asaph? It sounds familiar, said Sahib. Yes, I recognize it. 
answered Asaph. Listen, it's from the book of Psalms. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowd became louder and louder. Closer and closer the procession came. A sea of people were making their way down the road past gamels, camels, and whiter than snow sheep. About the time they were in front of premium premium Passover lambs, Asaph and Sahib could only make out the figure of a man who rose above the crowd. There was nothing distinguished about the way he was dressed. He had no features that made him stand out in the crowd other than he appeared to be on some sort of animal. Sahib and Asaph were so distracted, the sheep began ambling out of their pen. I'll round them up later, said Sahib. My sheep know my voice, but I must see what this is about. People nearby started running toward the procession. One woman shouted, I recognize him. This is Yahshua. Yahshua, Sahib and Asaph said simultaneously. Just then, they could make out the animal he was riding. He was riding on, no, could it be? Yes, he was riding on the colt of a donkey. Every Jewish person knew what this meant. Zechariah, the great prophet, had said, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt. The foal of a donkey. This is it, Sahib. This is the day we've been waiting for, Asaph. Both of them took off their coats as the procession neared. Yeshua looked their way and seemed to be smiling. They threw their coats on the ground just as the donkey approached. A makeshift highway for their king. Both of them joined the chorus. Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. talking to a friend of mine the other day and I told him I was going to be preaching on Selection Sunday. And he said, oh, are you talking about the NCAA tournament? Selection Sunday? Because last Sunday was Selection Sunday when the top 64 teams from the NCAA basketball were chosen to be in that tournament. But Far more significant than the NCAA basketball tournament was this selection Sunday. Let's review where we are at in this series. We're in this series on the journey with Jesus. A a couple of weeks ago, you remember, Jesus was making his way through the villages of Galilee. He was quite a ways from Jerusalem. And some friendly Pharisees came to him and said, you better take off because Herod wants to kill you. And he said, you go tell that fox. I'm going to do what I'm doing today and tomorrow. And the third day I'm going to reach my goal. And the Bible says he was making his way toward Jerusalem. Last week, if you remember, Jesus was in the house of, of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he was just two miles from Jerusalem. The distance from Merchant's Road to Broadway. Just two miles outside of the city. He's almost there and we know that when he gets to Jerusalem and he knows that when he gets to Jerusalem this is going to be his final Passover. This is going to be the time that he gives his life for our sins. But this week he's coming through the gate. 
not just any gate. He's coming through the sheep gate. Many of the people this day who are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, five days later would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. It shows the fickleness of the crowds. The crowds who one day want to crown you as king when they think that you are going to be their military leader who's going to help them overtake the Romans. Five days later, when it becomes clear that he is a king, but his kingdom is not of this world, and he is going to reign by willingly giving his life. But this morning as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, I want you to notice that he doesn't come in like a victim that's afraid for his life. Jesus is giving the orders. Go get me a colt. He intentionally knows that he's fulfilling this prophecy from Zechariah. And he comes in and he he lets the people get involved uh, with him. And they ride into Jerusalem on a day that's ex- it's, it's especially crowded. I was trying to imagine what this must be like for Americans to understand. But understand that everyone had to get their Passover lamb on the same day. you think there was a crowd at the grocery store. Imagine in America if all of us got our Christmas tree on the same day. That's what it reminds me of, that that everybody has to get it because it's prescribed in the book of Exodus that they have to get their Passover lamb on the 10th of Nisan. The lambs were selected five days before the Passover. Exodus 12, 2-4 says, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, Each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And so here we are on the 10th of Nisan, five days before Passover. Jerusalem is filled with the crowds, and they're all selecting their lambs. These lambs, and I'm going to remind you of a sermon I preached back at Christmas time. I know you're just really fresh on your minds, right? But when I talked about the shepherds, do you remember that the shepherds around Bethlehem, the shepherds around Bethlehem raised special sheep. These were what you would call kosher sheep. These were sheep that had to be raised in a very special way because they were not just any other sheep. These were sheep that that were going to be raised for the Passover. And so now imagine, think about this, think about this symbolism that the shepherds are coming from Bethlehem. Remember that when Jesus was born, these shepherds had welcomed him at his birth and they had wrapped him in swaddling clothes the same way that they wrapped their little Passover lambs in swaddling clothes to keep them from scratching themselves. And so now these same shepherds who had who had wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes, are now bringing their lambs into Jerusalem to be sold and sacrificed. Josephus, the historian, estimates there were 250,000 lambs that had to be sacrificed in order to meet the needs of the crowd. You had to have one lamb for every 10 Jewish people uh, that were there. So imagine the bleeding of the sheep of 250,000 lambs 
The psalms represented the messianic hopes of the zealots. I'm sorry, the palms represented the, the, the messianic hopes of the zealots who wanted a Messiah king. The Bible says that they are waving palm branches, and, and we're told that, that palm branches weren't even allowed inside of Jerusalem for this kind of thing because they were a symbol of the zealots who wanted to overthrow the Romans. But as they saw Jesus riding in on this, on this donkey, the zealots said, this is our man. And, and that area just outside of the Sheep Gate is filled with, with date trees that, that produce these palm branches. And they began tearing these palm branches off and bringing them into the city. And they're waving their palm branches. And they begin singing uh, from, from the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalms chapter 118, a Hebrew word, uh, Hoshana, which we pronounce today Hosanna, which means God save us. They were yelling, God save us. They were thinking, save us from the Romans. That psalm says, Lord save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. Psalm 118, 25 and 26. The next thing I want you to know about this selection Sunday is that the lambs had to be inspected after they were chosen for five days. The reason there's this five-day lag between the day you bought your lamb and the Passover is because for five days that lamb had to be looked at to see, is this a spotless lamb? Is there any defects in this lamb? You know what Jesus did for the last five days of his life? He went to the temple in Jerusalem. They challenged him. They inspected him. The religious leaders were there challenging his every word. He stood there and he stood up to the inspection. There was nothing, nothing that they could find legitimately to arrest him for. He was without blemish. He was without fault. I've kind of been rethinking this fact that the Bible says not one bone of his body was broken when he was on the cross. I wondered if this was also a Passover lamb issue because just like he had no scratches when he was a kid wrapped in swaddling clothes, now none of his bones are broken. This is the perfect, the spotless lamb of God. He's arrested on trumped-up charges, but when the political leader has to investigate him by the name of Pilate, and he looks at him and he listens to the case that's been brought against Jesus, you remember what this secular man pronounces over Jesus. I find no Jesus is the Lamb of God. If you put up the last slide, there had to be a lamb for every ten Jewish people, as I mentioned earlier. And I mentioned that there were 250,000 lambs that would be slaughtered. Can you imagine this at the temple? Can you imagine the job, Daniel, of and, can you imagine how many priests had to be working to slaughter 250,000 lambs? History tells us that they had, to, they had to make a channel alongside of the temple for the blood 
to flow like a river outside the side of the temple. But with 250,000 lambs, that blood thickened and became so thick that it wouldn't move. And so there were priests that were there, were, there were priests whose job it was to take buckets of water and to throw buckets of water into that river of blood so that blood and water flowed from the side of the temple. Jesus indicated he was the temple. He said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. The Bible says that when Jesus was coming to the end of his life, that a soldier pierced his side. Does anyone remember what flowed from the side of Jesus? Blood and water. The early Methodists took lots out of that symbolism, and they, and they talked about what Jesus did for us on that day as being the double cure. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Safe from wrath, that's what the blood does. The blood saves us from the wrath of God but the water makes me pure. Safe from wrath and make me pure. Let the water and the blood from your wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Safe from wrath and make me pure. This sacrifice caused one songwriter when I was young, by the name of Lanny Wolf, to write these words. So many years, so many lambs were offered up, but all the blood that was spilled could never fill that bitter cup till one spotless lamb in the form of man gave his life on Calvary. That was the only blood that could ever set me free. For his blood was not just blood of another spotless lamb, but his blood was precious blood, for it washed the sins of man. And his blood, it heals my body and it sets my spirit free. And I'm so glad that precious blood still flows from Calvary. The sacrifice that Jesus made caused the writer of Hebrews to say, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, but not the realities. For this reason, it can never be, listen, by, listen to this, it can never be by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, can never make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats take away sins. Now listen to this. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all 
for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. The Bible says he offered it once for all. That means once for all people and once for all time. That means his blood was retroactive. It saved Abraham. It saved Noah. It saved people in the Old Testament who had believed by faith. It saved all of those of us that would come after Jesus who by faith put our trust in him. I want to say this morning that Jesus did not come to establish another religion. Those priests that were offering daily that sacrifice, that religious system. Can I just tell you this morning that religion can kill you? Is that okay to say in church? That that religion can kill you? There's been more meanness done in the name of God and in the name of religion. And and, and Jesus saw that and and they, they they wanted to make him another religious, political hero. He didn't come to establish a religion. He came to establish a kingdom. And it's a different kind of kingdom where the first are last and the last are first. And the way you move up in the kingdom of God is by serving, not by being served. Oh, the blood. Sing no. The blood, crimson love, price of life's demand, shameful sin placed on him, the hope of every man. Oh, the blood. Washes me.